The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon, everyone, on this, uh, boy, it is a chilly Tuesday, to say the very, uh, say the least. Today is Tuesday, December 15th. Uh, welcome to the lunchtime. Boy, Donna Perry's great, isn't she, folks? That was last hour. Those on Facebook, maybe you missed it, but you can go to the website, dipetro.com, and listen to it. This portion of the John DePetro Show, folks, is brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Now, one thing about the fact that the weather and on top of that, there's snow in the forecast. It certainly really, I'll admit, it makes the Christmas season really feel alive. Well, at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, they are underway. They have everything you need for decorating your home. Balsam, beautiful, Fraser fir cut trees, three feet tall, even 12 feet tall. They also have potted live trees. They have custom handmade wreaths, whether they're 10 inches or 60 inches. They have mistletoe in hanging baskets and roping and cut greens, decorative pots, cemetery baskets, Christmas crafts. Gift certificates are available. Beautiful Christmas crafts. They're open every day. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Look for them on Facebook and then their website is prmaterials.shop. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's 1207. Now, this is, I'm trying to get an answer. <coughs> Excuse me, not a COVID cough. Trying to get an answer. Good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. You can uh, join us. Just go to the Facebook page, the Sean DePietro Show on Facebook, and then click the like button. You can also share uh, that you're watching. You can also comment, chat with other people. You know, it's amazing. I Juan is truly, it's 1208 in the Ocean State. Juan has truly brought people together because there are various friendships that have come. Folks, uh, people communicate that on their own, which I'm thrilled about. And, uh, and it has spawned different friendships. I've even heard relationships. Uh, people get together on their own. Hey, listen, if I can help bring people together, that's what I am all about, right? Peace on Juan is all about a peace on earth. That's why the chosen Juan is here, folks. To try, I'm a uniter, not a divider. So, but, um, again, you can check out on the Facebook page. Now, I did put a question to the Governor Mundo people because I'm trying to determine if we are, and I follow this as close as anyone, if not closer. Folks, remember, Juan is in the 1%. Uh, I've heard two different things. I've heard that she's actually been quarantined since Saturday. So she went out Friday night. Uh, Dr. Scott, they all went to get tested, maybe because they have been around Mr. Smiley. So because of that, the governor are actually... You know, that's interesting. Maybe the governor had not seen Mr. Smiley or quarantine. But anyhow, the question is, the governor was out Friday night, Governor Raimondo. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo, for many people that are tuning in from around the country. Um, So you have the situation of, I believe the way they're counting it is that Saturday was day one. Now remember, if you come in contact with someone who test positive for COVID, you have to quarantine. The new regulation, I believe, is now seven days. I believe it's seven days. So, everybody, counting at home, new math. Seven, a uh, Saturday, excuse me. Sunday would be day two. Yesterday would be day three. Even though the governor left the house 
and was in her car outside the Rhode Island State House. But I believe the way they're doing the math, that this is day four of her quarantine, right? Saturday, she didn't leave the house, uh, supposedly. We don't know if there was any more wine and paint or paint and wine or whatever you want to call it. Sunday be day two of the quarantine. Saturday night, they revealed and uh, that Dr. Scott, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott had tested positive for COVID, making it the second department head for the administration. She joined Mr. Smiley. So with Governor Mundo, you have Saturday's day one, Sunday, day two. Follow me. Yesterday, day three. Today would be day four. Tomorrow, day five. Thursday, day six. Boom. Friday, day seven. And she is expected to be at, they move the briefing to Friday, which they announced on Saturday night. So that's the way they're treating it. But I, I'm trying to just clarify. That's the only way, as a matter of fact, that I believe they could be doing that. If, in fact, that that is um, the case of exactly, you know, who's who's behind that. So I, I am waiting to hear from the governor's people. And I'm not trying to be. Um, <laughs> yes, I like that. My goodness. Yes. On the radio. I like that. I sent someone a message. Um, okay. Hold on. I got to juggle some guests. Uh, let's make it. We're going to make you. Um, uh, hold on. I apologize. Guys, folks. 115. I will call you. I apologize, folks. Trying to juggle some last minute guests that we will have. Uh, I will call you. I will. I will call you. Okay, good. Now, my point is, we are waiting to hear about that with the governor and exactly how they're treating it of when, when did she start the quarantine, right? That's what we're trying to find out. So um, now the latest, obviously, on this is Governor Mundo was uh, at the state house yesterday outside in her car, part of the Electoral College. She was on the state house grounds, and now the way I understand this, they're framing it that in order for her to be part of it, had to be official. She was technically at the state house, even though she was outside in her car, and then they zoomed her in. So that's how that worked. Folks, do you notice the pattern? Um, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKay, he, I, I know he's standing you know, with his helmet on waiting for the coach to put him in. It's, it's not happening. Okay, it's just it's not happening. They're not going to put him in regardless. It doesn't matter that he wants to coach put me into the game. You're not Jalen Hurt. It's it's just it's not happening now. But this business of Black Lives Matter. Now, we are scheduled to uh, talk to Brother Gary. He had a conflict and we are going to um, try to. um, Oh, my God. This guy. I'll tell you, folks, I will call you we're going to talk to the Lemaire campaign my goodness ah. the Lemaire campaign is challenging the vote total they have people in Washington trying to help them and he shut his phone off all I was suggesting so we are going to um 
quarantine be based on when she was last in person contact with Dr. Nicole Scott, right, which was Thursday. So seven days from Thursday with the negative tests. Yes. Last person contact. That's exactly right. So the governor for Thursday, she would be, that is exactly right, would be clear. I'm just trying to get, well, the, the other question is, now Mr. Smiley, they announced on Thursday he had it, and then the governor did not see Dr. Scott on apparently Friday or Saturday. So it would go from there. But this business of the Black Lives Matter nativity scene coming to, uh, possibly coming to the Rhode Island State House. Now, again, I do have, have you seen this, folks? I do have communication. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go to my Facebook page. Uh, I haven't heard anything official coming from the State House. I do have a um, message into the new uh, speaker. I'm, so I'm not sure who's behind it, but actually, it would be the governor that would control this. Um, someone, I'm trying to get confirmation. Someone said to me they were under the impression that this, the Black Lives Matter nativity scene, was coming to the Rhode Island State House. I I don't have that locked down. I have not heard it's definitive. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Now they do have it out in um, Los Angeles, as a matter of fact. And I can't even uh, play the story. But I I want to be very clear right now at twelve fifteen. I have not heard that that is definitely um, coming to the Rhode Island State House. Someone sent me a message saying, no, it's coming to the Rhode Island. I, I haven't heard that. I definitely have not heard that that is definitive on that. I want to, um, let me just play that, and then here we go, and then we'll go from there. Folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePedro. Here it is. Um, Black Lives Matter Nativity Steen is drawing a little bit of an outrage, outroar. Just makes you think about stuff and you know, just gets people talking about what's going on. Jennifer Barge stops by Claremont United Methodist Church every year to see their nativity scene for the powerful message behind the display. What caught her eye today was the figures of Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus surrounded by images of masked people holding signs saying Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe. At the very top, the names and dates of dozens of black men and women shot and killed by police with the phrase, say their names, a protest against police brutality and racial injustice in America. It's sad just to see all of that. A lot of it I didn't know was up there. A lot of the names, some of them are very young. There's one from 1955. He's 14. And I just, it's, you know, my kid, she's 19, and it just, you know, breaks my heart. The church is known for adding a twist to their nativity scenes each December, highlighting a hot-button issue in American history. Last year, they showed images of children in cages, reflecting on the plight of immigrants and asylum seekers whose families were separated at the U.S.-Mexico border. In a statement about this year's display, the church's senior minister said, Mary knows the sorrow of any parent who has ever lost a child in solidarity with all who seek justice. Barge says what better time to highlight this issue than Christmas time. They went through their own problems and trials, you know, with Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph, what had, they had to do and how they were treated. And, you know, they were, you know, traveling and they had to find a place to stay. And, you know, so I think it's just with every for themselves. Church leaders say they hope the display doesn't anger people, but empowers them to have a meaningful conversation with their family and friends about how to move forward towards positive change in our society. Reporting in Claremont, Candace Crone, KCOM. Now, I am going to speak with Brother Gary, folks, uh, later this afternoon at Black Lives Matter Rhode Island. I have heard that the Black Lives Matter 
Rhode Island that they plan to have a Black Lives Matter nativity scene at the Rhode Island State House. I'm going to get confirmation of that later. It's a little bit of a, um, as you can imagine, it's not easy uh, tracking people down. And then some people quarantine and uh, just everything else that goes along with it. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show on this Tuesday is brought by Ryan's Appliance Repair. Remember what we say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Ryan's Appliance Repair. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. You know, I've... Uh, I've told the story that Ryan has been to my home several times. He is just so uh, competent and fantastic and efficient. And and it's so simple. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. And Ryan, with, uh, with my household, has done run the gamut from... He was able to fix, we had a problem with our, our clothes dryer. He can fix your washing machine. He could fix, he can fix your refrigerator, ice maker, stove, oven, microwave oven, garbage disposal, Ryan's Appliance Repair. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor, and senior citizens discounts are available. Remember what they say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 96. Well, folks, right now it's uh, twelve nineteen. We will follow up with our friend, uh, brother Gary, Black Lives Matter Rhode Island. Whether or not they're going to be having the Black Lives Matter nativity scene at the Rhode Island State House. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Operation Made. You know, I love Operation Made. They have such beautiful items, encouraging entrepreneurship, one veteran at a time. It's Nicole. We've had her on the program. I think we're going to have her on tomorrow. And um, and she is just fantastic. Operation made. They're right on Tollgate Road. You just uh, link right through, and all the items are either uh, made by veterans or their families at Operation Made. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. No, I do want to play. There's this. Um, before we do, I I am just sickened over. There's this uh, great kid, um, young man, I should say, Stone Freeman, and he went to school. Was at URI with uh, with one of my children, and through social media, we got to see um, the stories of him and his dad, who we affectionately called Big Russ. And I'm just heartbroken to learn that this man has passed away. And I want to play this. Um, officer has died from complications of COVID-19. Lieutenant Russell Freeman joined the Rhode Island Department of Corrections in 1991 and was well known in the community. New tonight, 12 News reporter Rob Nesbitt spoke with Lieutenant Freeman's children. He joins us now live from the ACI with their message about COVID. Rob. Shannon, the Freeman family says that they don't blame anyone for the spread of COVID-19 inside the ACI, but they did tell me that they'll look at the number of COVID cases a bit differently after their father's passing this morning. Just over two weeks. That's how long Lieutenant Russell Freeman was at Rhode Island Hospital with COVID. It can it can happen to anybody, and uh, it happened to our dad. Stone and Ingrid Freeman were only able to talk to their dad over Zoom with the help of nurses. They held his hand while we couldn't. Yeah. Right up until the moment he lost his battle with the virus Monday morning, a man described to me as the neighborhood dad. You know, he was always shooting hoops with us, always hitting ground balls to us. He was a coach. He was a mentor. He was a friend. Lieutenant Freeman worked as a correctional officer at the ACI's women's facility, according to the Department of 
Corrections, 200 staff members, and 731 inmates have tested positive for the coronavirus since March. Monday marked their first death. It's been a tough day. Director of the Department of Corrections, Patricia Coyne-Fegg, says that positive cases at the ACI are starting to trend downward. She hopes that a vaccine will soon be offered to inmates and staff to help prevent the spread. It's important that, that people have confidence in it uh, and recognize that it's, it's really the, the way out of this crisis for all of us. She says that a vaccine team has been created at DOC to educate about the vaccine and to work on logistics and administration. Rhode Island Brotherhood of Correctional Officers is part of that team. Union President Richard Ferruccio has criticized CoinFeg's handling of COVID in the past, but says things are improving. She's committed to meeting with us personally weekly, so we're hoping that that helps to uh, you know, facilitate some additional changes. A conversation that has become more pressing following Lieutenant Freeman's death. His family says they don't blame anyone for their loss. They just hope others start to take the virus more seriously and look at the numbers the way they do. I'm really concerned and I look at these as people not just members anymore. Lieutenant Freeman's wife, Lisa, is also a correctional officer at the ACI. Her children told me that she also tested positive for the coronavirus, but that their dad's underlying health condition of seriatic arthritis made his case more serious. Reporting live in Cranston, I'm Rob Nesbitt, 12 News. That is just um, tragic, folks. And again, right now at 1223, our condolences go out to the family. Stone Freeman, uh, I, I never got a chance to meet Big Russ the guy was just terrific. I became a fan of him from watching his uh, son filming him in a very good relationship. He's only 52 years old. Now, that is someone who, you know, obviously was in harm's way because he had to report to work. And I, I just feel terrible about it because um, it was such a, a nice rapport between father and son and his son who I've communicated with on Twitter, and I sent him a note, but it's um, it's just terrible. I really enjoyed the fact that they had this rapport, and, uh, and, and here it is. The, his father is 52 years old and passed away for being a correctional officer. You know, um, nice family, very involved, just seemed to have, be a great guy. And I, I just really feel terrible about it. But again, folks, you know, right now at 1224, I, I can't stress enough. You're going to hear from someone that had COVID coming up at 1230. It, it's a little frightening to me that we still have to go through this whole element of people that are not taking it seriously. I, I, I don't know what to tell people. And and I'll also remind people, you, you have to keep your your circle small. You have to. Um, because then the whole element of the contract tracing, folks, and, and right now the virus is just raging indoors. It is. We are, Rhode Island is still, according to the New York Times, Rhode Island, we are still number one in the country for COVID. And, and that is absolutely just horrific. The whole situation with the schools, as I predicted, they should have gone back earlier. You know, now the now you have snow days, but the kids that's one good thing. The kids will now now people are complaining. Now people are complaining on social media that they shouldn't even though they can do distance learning, that they shouldn't even have to do that. 
that they, oh, no, no, they shouldn't, even though you can do distance learning, that they shouldn't even uh, do that, that they canceling snow days now is like a scrooge. I mean, this is uh, absolutely ridiculous at this point. So kids are going to do remote learning and expect children to do remote learning if it's a snow day. So at this point, you can't keep you can't make anybody happy. You you just the, the, there is there is no winning with certain people. There's no winning with certain people. I mean, that that is just preposterous. Now, it's oh, even though they can be at home and even though they could then be online, we're not going to do that. We're going to cancel it. Just I, I, and these are the same people that are going to be complaining that the kids are not getting the education that they want to get or that they should be getting. I should say, hey, folks, this portion of the program, but coming up at 1230, you're going to hear from someone who uh, who had covid. And I spoke to him. He's a friend of mine. I used to work with him. I, he, I spoke to him Saturday, and I, I, he's been on my mind nonstop since I spoke to him on Saturday. But my point is, I don't know what to tell these these people that still are not taking it serious, or people are. are I don't. It's they, it's worse this time around. I think it's worse than the spring. The spring it was still new. Um, people are getting hit hard, but I still see comments online. I, I don't know what to make of that. You, you you have to take this thing serious. And it's it's a lot of it is just common sense. People get caught in the minutia of rules are rules. You know, there's these people that are upset because United Airlines wouldn't let a two year old on the plane because the little girl wouldn't wear a mask. But but what 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 is the point of that? There there are children on the plane wearing a mask. I tweeted it, well, I kind of tweeted out about it, and people were freaking out. The child should have gone onto the plane wearing a mask. You have someone traveling. Everyone's going to be in a mask, except this couple. One of them's not even an American, and they're United Premier Flyers, which means they feel the rules really don't apply to them. Everyone's going to wear a mask. And airlines go a long way with, you know, families traveling with small children get to board first. And this family feels the across the board with airlines, it's two and over. Two and over. Two and older. This child is two. So you explain, listen, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to go through security. We're going to let them. You have to stand like this. You walk through. Make, make sure there's nothing in your pockets. Then we get out of the gate. And then, listen, honey, everyone's going to have their mask on. And you're going to be a big girl. And you're going to bring your bag. And then, oh, shh, quiet. When the pilot's talking, now we're quiet. Right? Give them something to do. The moment they went on the plane and that little child didn't have a mask on, then you see the video. The parent's like, nope, she won't put it on. Like, excuse me. And United kicked them off the flight. But let's just say you are someone traveling and you say over here to the right, your kids, your, you have a, a two-year-old, you have a three-year-old, four-year-old. All your three kids are all in masks. Practice it. They have, um, you know, whatever, Disney character mask, Frozen mask, whatever. Patriots mask, Red Sox, whatever the kids like. 
And then let's just see you're a grandparent. You're under the idea that everyone traveling will have a mask on. And suddenly the little girl in front of you who's climbing up to look behind her is coughing and sneezing onto you. <laughs> if they can't control the two-year-old to put on the mask, what would make you think, you know, I'll tell you, folks, you go out to eat, not that we can anymore, but there's two types of families. There are the families that sit there and the child's very calm and they are with their family. And then there are the kids that are walking around the restaurant and the parents think it's cute that they're going table to table. So, but this, the United Airlines, these people are outraged. I put that the child should not have entered the plane without the mask on. And I, I can't even believe the reaction of some, talk about hitting a nerve with some people. It's not impossible. I didn't say the two-year-old has to fly the plane. You just have to sit there with a mask on. It, it is doable. There's plenty of families that are traveling. All right, let's get our guest on. Folks, again, um, remember when you visit the website, uh, depetro.com, sponsored by Liberty Mobility. They are the area's uh, oldest, largest provider, pre-owned power wheelchairs, power scooters. Log on right through at libertymobility.com. I want to get... Um, our guest on that we're going to have on uh, right now, and he is someone that uh, dealt with it firsthand. And I uh, was telling you the story; it was very riveting, actually, to listen to. Oh. Is that my friend Paul Giamarco? It is. Paul, how you uh, doing, John? Well, you know, I want to tell you, Paul. Since we spoke on Saturday, you have just been been on my mind nonstop. Your story of you believe you tracked it down to election day that you came down with COVID and what your experience was. It is, um, it was very, very riveting and it's, it's concerning in the concise way you explain it. And that's why I, I reached out to Paul folks and I was hoping you'd be, and I recognize, you know, you tell us and share what you want to share because it is private and I respect that. But um, but your ordeal dealing with COVID was just uh, was really brutal. Yeah, it was the toughest thing that I've ever faced in my life. And I've told you I've had heart surgery two years ago, open heart surgery. And COVID was worse than that because with the open heart surgery, you're just dealing with the healing of the incision and the pain that that causes. But underneath your heart, your lungs, everything is functioning well. You feel better. You get more air. Uh, with COVID... It was something every day, and it was hideous, and it was it was terrible to have to go through. And um, like you say, you know, I kind of figured it happened right around election day because I tested positive two days later, and um, you know, I had to go for a test at the time is when um, the governor was saying there was there was a delay in testing, so it was difficult for me to to find a, a place to go. I ended up going up to the North Midfield Urgent Care. They were very kind and helpful there. Got it there. Had to wait two or three days. To get the results, ah. the results it was positive. But yeah. I had known John prior to that because I started with a with a with a cough, like just you couldn't control it; it would just happen. You just start coughing, and then the fatigue started to send, uh, settle in a little bit, and that's when I I, I kind of my hair went up on my neck. Like, this is not good. So I told my girlfriend, my partner, that you know I think I got this, and um, by the time I had gotten my results back, she had also started showing symptoms she tested positive so on the positive end of things of this we were able to quarantine together and watch over each other because we really needed that i feel i feel so bad for people who have to face this alone because if it, some people don't get the symptoms or they're asymptomatic and it 
and it doesn't cause them much grief. But for me and for her, it was a very, very difficult time. I had basically every symptom that you read about, you know, a whole litany. The only thing I did not lose was my, my smell or my taste. That's interesting. And outside of that. Yeah. Yeah, outside of that, I had the cough, the fever. The fever was tough, the chills. So there was a couple of times when, um, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, my bed was, was soaking wet. Oh. It was, yeah, it was terrible. I had to change the sheets, change the mattress because I was sweating so much, so profusely. I could not stop sweating and shaking because of the chills. Wow. Now, Paul, by the time you got the results, and again, folks, we're speaking with broadcaster Paul Giamarco. Uh, many of you maybe last heard him. He was dominant, uh, some of the highest ratings ever recorded Afternoon Drive in Providence on, uh, on Light Rock. But his battle um, with it, you, you had to wait a couple days. By the time you got your test results, you, you felt like, wait a minute, this is not good, I have it. I was deep in, John. At that you were. Point. Once they okay. finally it back to me, I was, I was deep in, and I knew it, and I knew I was in trouble hmm. because it was, it wasn't getting, it was relentless. It, it just stayed with you, and then you could maybe fall asleep for an hour, and then you'd wake up, and you couldn't sleep, and you couldn't sleep at night. But one of the other issues was, you know, just getting the results and not having anywhere to go because I went to an urgent care, yeah, uh, and I said, again, they were very good. When I when they told me because of my my underlying condition, my health, my heart, and things like that, that I should contact my physician. So I called my physician, and it was a Saturday night, and she wasn't available. And some other doctor got on the phone, and he was really upset with me for calling him. Huh? Uh, and and telling, yeah, I, it was, you know, I had to defend my physician. Uh. Why are you? He's like almost almost literally said word for word, "Why are you bothering me? Bothering me on a Saturday night?" And I apologize. I'm sorry, but my, you know, he said, well, if you got COVID, call us on Monday. I'm like, well, they told me to call you now. He said, I've never heard of that before. I said, well, I have a hot lung issue. And he said, well, okay. And he kind of changed his tune a little bit. But but it was very disconcerting to have to go through that, which led me to when I did have a very, very bad night along the way. My partner, she tell I was uh, breathing very shallow. Ah. She said, we should, we should go to the emergency room. I, I checked my blood ox level. It had dropped at 88, um, and that was very dangerous. Oh. But I knew that I knew that the only way we were going to do, there was, no, there was no convention center. There was no other hospital. I would have gone to the hospital. Maybe they would have gave me oxygen. Maybe they would have looked at me. But I, they were going to send me back home. There was nothing that they could do for me. And that, that kind of doctor's attitude had stuck in my head from yeah. the time that I spoke with him. It was like, they're not going to do anything. I'm going to be just a pain in the butt for these people. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, I'm sure that was all in my mind because the other thing, too, when you talk about COVID and you talk about the COVID fog, that is a real thing. You cannot focus. You cannot concentrate. You can't. I tried to read. I tried to do things that would keep my mind busy. But right. your mind just doesn't want to go there. Wow. And, Paul, you can't, like, here's what I want people to understand, or I'm getting from you. You can't relax and just watch television. You feel like hell. You're in a fog. And you know what else, Paul, um, that I think that that you hit on, that, that I don't think it's examined enough, is the anxiety and fear. Now, you, you had serious heart surgery. So in your mind, I mean, that that is just, that's what really stuck out with me, and I was so concerned, was, 
in hearing your story is I could identify, I think, of just the terror you must have felt because you're afraid that if it gets into your system, I mean, then then th- this is that's like the, the mental torture that it plays on you, if I'm explaining it right. Oh, absolutely, John. The yeah. anxiety you hit around the head was, was immense. And especially, huh. like you say, for people elderly and for people that... And if I had to go through this together, you know, my, my girlfriend Louise was just an angel and a saint. She was going through it the same with me. But I, I don't know if I, if I could have done it on my own. Wow. Um, because it, 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 you're so sick. I mean, I have not been that sick in my whole life, in my wow. whole life. There was one point, it was two and a half weeks in, and I was still just reeling and I just started crying like a, like a, like a little kid who was sick. You know, just I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying because I just there was nothing I could do. I felt so helpless. Yeah. Because this thing, this thing take, took over my body, oh. took over my took over everything, and I, and I could not. The guys that like to be in control, like like most people do, you can't control it. It controls you. Right. And that was two and a half weeks in, where you keep thinking. Normally, you're going to turn the corner. Um, and again, folks, we're speaking with Paul Giamarco. And, you know, Paul, it's one of those things that, you know, anyone that's ever been on an airline or an airplane where they have like a, a questionable landing or I had a friend who they, they cut the fuel and then had to go down like that. You know, in the moment, it's terrifying. Now, when when they then tell people later, they're like, OK, but you're OK. The plane didn't crash. But the thing is, it sounds like for the week of November 9th, the week of November 16th, it sounds like you were just in, in absolute sheer agony and anguish. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and some of the other things that, you know, the fatigue, the aches, the pains, just taking a shower, it felt like you were running a marathon. It ah. just took some energy just to do that. But then there's this other little thing that, that happened to me. I don't know if it happens to other people who get it. If you had any kind of um, surgery on your shoulders or your back or your legs or anything, it, it goes after that. Like, it goes after that joint in your body, and it goes after that muscle. And you'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden you'd cramp up in that muscle, or that muscle would start to, 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 to get become painful and inflamed. And it, it just, it just like, it found any way that it could get into your body. That's why I was so concerned about, again, like you mentioned, my heart and my lungs. Yeah. Fortunately, I never got to that point. It seemed to me that it all stayed up in my head. I had bad sinus infection, and... I never, except for that one night where my breathing was kind of shallow, except for that one night, I really never felt it too much in my lungs. It was all upper head and in my head and in my sinuses. And I'm glad it stayed there. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, as you know, I work out. Yes. I've been working out for a long, long time, and I stay, try to stay healthy and, and, and try to stay strong. And fortunately, I had to give it up for three and a half weeks, but now I'm back today. Again, all for the last maybe two and a half weeks, I've been back to the regimen that I was doing prior to COVID. So hmm. as, as fast as I go on the treadmill, as long as I go on my rowing machine, all of those things are back to pre-COVID. So I feel pretty good that, you know, that it's all by me. I, I went for a test in North Providence where I live. They had a uh, free testing uh, the other day. Uh, I tested and I tested negative. So I, I know it's gone from my body. Hmm. But there's still, a, you know, there's still a kind of a stigma, I think, associated with people that have COVID. Oh, yeah. I have some grandchildren. I have grandchildren. I have children. And I kind of set the family a little note. Hey, you know, guess what? That's free of COVID. And 
la la la, and they're all like, yeah, yeah, great, great, but nobody said, hey, come on over and see the baby. Right, you know? so, yes. No, they're uh, fearful. You know. They're fearful, and it is an unknown. And, Paul, I just want to look at the timeline. Election Day was the third, so you you, you felt normal on Election Day, and then it's like two days afterwards that you start to feel that maybe something wasn't right. And then you have the week of the 9th, the week of the 16th, and then the week of November 23rd, that's the week of Thanksgiving. Now, granted, no one had a joyous Thanksgiving, but how did you feel around that period of Thanksgiving? It was up and down, John. You okay. had a half a day when you felt really good. You felt like, oh, it's behind me, it's behind me. And then come 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you'd start to feel miserable again, and it would, it would, it would grab a hold of you. But... Like I said, once I started to feel a little bit of relief and a little, I started going very lightly on the treadmill, almost okay. like I'm in my mind, I'm picturing I'm walking through the mall, yep. very leisurely, just to give my body something to, to ex, you know, to, to exercise. The other thing too is I, I ended up losing 22 pounds in about two and a half weeks. Wow, folks, 22 I, I pounds not, in two and a half weeks. Could not eat, could not eat. I literally lived on Gatorade for the electrolytes. For almost mm. two weeks, could not eat anything because you know you had problems, stomach problems, and all that stuff. Yeah, but I'll get into detail. But it just—I just couldn't eat. I couldn't eat. Every everything was just going right through me. So right now, I probably gained maybe six of that back, and I'm going to try to keep as much as I can off. But as you know, when your body looks for, for food, it goes after muscle, yes, goes after fat, and yep. you, your body starts to eat itself. So that led to the fatigue as well. Hmm. So I needed that that Gatorade. I, I just really there was wasn't a whole lot I could eat. Um, but I but I kept going. The other thing I find interesting, John, is now it's past me and I'm clear and all of that. But I noticed yesterday the governor when she was um, you know at the state house, she mentioned that her state police uh, driver yes. was he had had it. He was COVID immune. Yeah. Now, I, I had never heard of that right. before. I never no. heard of that expression. Yep. Everything I've ever checked, the CDC, everything says maybe three to six months you have. I mean, it makes sense that you have a little bit of immunity right away, but not long term. So, I mean, is there something that she knows that, that, that we don't know? Is there a book she's reading that I haven't read? Right. Because I've never heard of COVID immunity. You know, that's a very good point, and I don't know what that was based on. It was so important for her to be on the, on the grounds of the state house. But, Paul, what about fever? Headache. Um, I spoke to someone on Friday, um, Ray Pigatori, and he said for a week, you know, he'd never had a migraine, but he was just immobilized. For one solid week, he was just flat, uh, bedridden with, he said it felt like there were nails coming into his head. Did you have heavy fever, a high fever or a bad headache, or is it just more you just feel uncomfortable? I had my fever uh, range right away when I first started to get the cough. It was a low-grade 99.8, 99.8, usually in the 97 range. So for me to get up to 99, I could feel it in my face. I felt flush. You know, as we went along, 101, 102 was close. Mm. A couple of times that one night when I was went to the emergency room, I was up near 102, maybe a little over 102. I was kind of didn't want to freak my girlfriend out, so I, I was not telling her the exact number that yeah. I was at. He's probably listening now. And, oh my goodness! But, oh. but um, yeah. But I, you know, I did. So the fever, the, the headache, I didn't get. She got the headache really bad. I got a headache along with a sinus infection, which was compounded oh. and difficulty by me trying to get my my PCP on the phone because I had called her on a Monday. 
she had called me back. I was sleeping. And then I then 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 I tried it on Tuesday and nothing. I tried it on Wednesday and nothing. I tried it on Thursday, no call back. Finally, I just called them every hour on Friday, and I said I'm not going to stop calling yeah. until she calls me back. I gotta, I need a pack. I've got a terrible sinus infection. And then when I took that is really when I made the the turn. Once I got that couple of days of um, antibiotic in me, I started to feel better. And I, and I know it wasn't doing anything with the COVID, but it was working on my sinus infection. Oh. And once that was out of me, it was, you know, it was good. But the fever is tough, the cough is tough. I mean, I, you know, I had the symptoms, like I said, the intestinal thing, which I've known people who said they've lost that kind of weight too. It's amazing when you, when you lose that much weight so quickly. Uh, um, it's just, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm disappearing. You know, 22 pounds is a lot of weight. Wow. Yeah. But, Paul, that is, and again, folks, we're speaking with Paul Giamarco, and uh, he's been very gracious to share with us his experience. He did come down with COVID, hit him like a, really like a ton of bricks. Paul, it is, um, it sounds like, I mean, you really experienced why this virus is so serious. And the other, something that people need to recognize is, now, you were not in the hospital, and you've obviously, thank God, lived to talk about it. But you, you have lost the month of November, and that was just, you know, excruciating pain and anguish and mental anguish and draining to go through. This is not just, hey, you know, I didn't feel good and, and slept all weekend. This, I think what also stands out to me is just you're so sick, but you can't even sleep and you feel just lousy. Yeah, exactly, John. You yeah. cannot sleep. You, you, you are, you, it's almost like insomnia. Because you, you only doze, you don't really sleep, and you may go out on the couch for a half hour, 45 minutes during the day, maybe two or three times. And then, then when you go to bed, uh, it's, um, you just can't, you, you can't get comfortable, you can't lay down long enough. Like I said, the sweats, I had the, the chills and the sweats. Oh. Bad. I, we were washing my sheets because I, I was sweating right through everything. Yeah. I never, never had anything like that in my life. And I can understand fully and truly how people can pass with this because you have to be strong if it wasn't i'm firmly believe if it wasn't for the amount of time that i put into exercising right and trying to keep myself somewhat on a healthy level uh that that it that it could have easily taken over me get me out like it's up a lot of other people wow and what about the um the the element of um of just the the sheer amount of time like it you know, as you were saying, the anguish after a while, like you can only every day you think you've got to get better at some point. When you start to go on two and a half weeks, that's when it just really starts to kick in. Like, my God, like, when am I going to get rid of this thing? Oh, you're not even that thinking was, clearly. Yeah. Never mind. You haven't eaten. You haven't been out of the house. Yeah. I mean, you just you get worn down. You wears you down mentally. That's why that, that two and a half weeks and I just had that, that breakdown. I just couldn't emotionally or intellectually deal with what I was dealing with. It just was unfathomable to me that, that this thing was so, had taken over my life. Yeah. Had taken over me. I, I couldn't control it. Um, you know, there was nothing that would, that, that made me happy. Like there was nothing I could think of to eat or to, or to, or to drink or, to try and so many people were so so gracious uh, friends and family oh what do you need we'll go to the you know we'll go to the store for you we'll drop it on your doorstep and I, I did have that that support from my family right uh, and, and and trying to keep a brave face because when you're the 
the, the, the like the, the the grandfather and the and the father of the children. I mean, your, your kids are not used to you know used being sick like that. So I always try to put on a brave face when I was speaking to them. I don't know. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, uh, I'm getting better. I'm feel better. But inside, I, I just I, I didn't like you know not telling them the truth. But I don't. I didn't want it. I didn't want to worry them uh, right. more than they already were. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah, well, I heard about it on Saturday morning. I, I called them immediately, folks. And, uh, Paul, I am just so thankful uh, and grateful to you for coming on and sharing it. It's not easy. And uh, thank God this turned out a good way. I'm just I would I was I was worried. I was worried about you. I've been worried about you. Anyone I know that has had, you know, you had a heart procedure and so forth. So concerned. Yeah. But that that is only that entire time. I mean, you would, you must have just been paranoid and panicking. Like, my God, I hope this doesn't get down to my, to my heart and my chest, or there could be complications. So, in that regard, that's really the only silver lining of this whole thing. Like, thank God it never went into that. You didn't go into the hospital. Um, But listen, my friend, um, thank you so much, Paul, for being so generous and sharing this with us. And, um, and again, I'm going to talk to you again very soon, but you take care of yourself. Okay. That is very riveting, but um, I'm just so thankful and glad that you're okay. Thank you, John. The only other thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, I, I wore a mask. I washed my hands. Right. I socially distanced. I did everything that I was asked to do, and I and I did it gladly because I didn't want to get it, and I still got it. So just as a message to be learned that you don't know, you don't know when and where it's going to pop out. That's right. All right, Paul, be well. Good to talk to you. Thanks, John. All right. Folks, there it is. Paul Giamarco right here on the John DePietro Show. I feel um, just terrible at hearing that uh, that story. My goodness. Folks, right now, I want to remind you about our friends at Brothers Disposal. They're offering weekly trash collection services. Right now, it's 1251 on this Tuesday. He went through it. Again, anyone listening to that. When you hear that, you want to do whatever you can to avoid it. But again, everyone's going to make their own choices. Folks, Brothers Disposal, they're now offering weekly trash collection services. Call them today. Call Willie or Roland at 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother, Brothers Disposal. You know Brothers Disposal. They have the purple dumpsters that can fit in your driveway or your your business. And now they're offering weekly trash collection services. Uh, call right now, weekly trash, residential, commercial. Call them 401 401- 688-0517. Brothers Disposal, if you want to clean out your garage or some unwanted belongings, or maybe you're having a household construction project, call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. Roland and Willie now offering weekly trash collection services. Weekly trash, residential, commercial. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. I want to say again, good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. Listen, I, I just have a couple of thoughts. Um, not to debate too much. Now, next hour, though, next hour, radio only, Jeff Lemaire, the Lemaire campaign. They are challenging the vote total. He is getting access to certain records with his race, and we're going to talk to him. At least someone is fighting back. Um, but he, here's the thing about the two-year-old. Listen, to me, it's very simple, okay? The, the, the airline policy is if you want to travel, if you're two years old or older, the child has to wear a mask, so now think of what 
you know, as you're listening to Paul, Paul Giamarco, give his uh, story, experience with COVID. Can you imagine if he got it on an airline because a family decided that their two-year-old, three-year-old, that they didn't have to wear a mask? There were families on the plane and the kids are wearing a mask. Then there are some right now, whether you like it or not, you can't travel across the board. You can think it's foolish. You can think it's ridiculous. Guess what? You don't have to travel. No one's making you go on the plane. That is the policy. You, if, if we say, well, I don't want to follow the policy. What if somebody decides, you know what? I want to smoke. I want to smoke on the plane. You can't smoke. Why? It affects others. Okay. Now, the two-year-old, like I've said, if I were traveling, and by the way, we've traveled when my children were younger. My son, we've taken them cross-country. We've gone, listen, you have to prepare them. I didn't say it's easy. It's not relaxing. You're not relaxing at all. You are like on duty, so to speak. But it can be done. But you have to prepare them. But I will liken it to it. I know this is unpopular and it almost makes some people unpopular. But you go to a restaurant and you see one. Well, when we would go out to restaurants, you'd see one family, small children, quietly eating, enjoying themselves. Then you have the other family comes in and the kids are running wild. They can't control them. So two different families, two different types of parenting style on that plane there were small children two years old wearing a mask you can laugh about it that's the price of admission to get on the plane like i said if you're on the plane and you have the two-year-old peeking over and then they're sneezing and coughing because the parents feel no they don't need well how would you like to then be responsible for what happened to paul or to poor uh, big russ russ freeman that passed away I here's what I believe. They're right for as much safety as possible overrules your thought that it's BS that a two year old has to wear a mask. If if everybody's wearing a mask, then that's the policy. You don't have to fly. You know, I have no sympathy for that couple that got tossed off the United flight. There were kids two years old on the plane, walking onto the plane, wearing a mask, sitting there quietly, drawing, reading with their family. This family said, no, our kid is two. She doesn't wear a mask. Then you're not flying. Listen, go to Fenway Park. Go to Fenway Park. You want to order a drink. No matter what your age is, you have to show a license. No matter what your age, I have been there. You Maybe you've been there. 80 years old. You've got to show an ID. That's the policy. Anyone who wants alcohol has to show an ID. That's ridiculous. Then, I'm not, then don't buy it. See, no one's forcing you to buy it. No one's forcing you to get it on an airplane. Fenway Park decided for liability, we are not going to get be held accountable for someone that we didn't card them. And you don't leave it up to the discretion of the person selling it. They thought they looked old enough. See, if everyone is ID'd, then everyone is ID'd. No exceptions. No exception. Here's what they decided. Everyone getting on the plane has to wear a mask. That's ridiculous. Maybe it is ridiculous. That's the policy. But like I said on social media, no one's saying the two-year-old has to fly the plane. It's doable. 
it's doable. There have been thousands of children flying all over the country wearing a mask. There have also been some families that they didn't get on because the parents didn't feel the kids needed to wear a mask. That's what it comes down to. Um, After 9-11, we greatly changed security. I agree. I thought it was ridiculous. We'd be going through. They'd be wanding my kids. They have to go through security. I'd see the old Marine. The whole thing. It was the price of admission if you wanted to travel. You had to go through security that way. Um, Anyone that tries to say the rules don't apply, it doesn't. It just doesn't. If the rule, if you feel the rules don't apply, then you don't fly. That's just the way it goes. Folks, I want to remind you about R.E. Coogan of Heating. Now, listen, we do have a winter storm coming. Call them today, 401-732-6562. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. You can depend on Coogie. Call them plumbing, heating, cooling, winter to summer, train technicians, 100% service, one customer at a time. Let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. R.E. Coogan and Heating, 401 732 6562-401-732-6562. Now, especially with the cold weather and the snow, you don't want to have a problem with your heating service. Call R.E. Coogan and Heating today, 401-732-6562. Folks, it's Sean DePietro. Listen, I, I just don't like these elements of these people that feel the rules don't apply. And that's how that couple felt. And if there was a family on the plane and they had their two-year-old, if I was on the plane and my two-year-old's wearing a mask... Guess who else is wearing one? Yours. Or otherwise, what's the point? Why would anyone be doing it? All right, next hour, we're going to talk to the Lemaire campaign. Folks, he's taking his election to federal court, and people are watching it. Jeff Lemire. Now, granted, he lost to Cicilline, but he has the opportunity to uncover some things that were wrong. We're going to talk to him coming up at one fifteen. If you want to see the photos or video of Governor Raimondo, remember, visit the website, depetro.com. D-E-P-E-T-R-O dot com, um, where you can see that. All right, what we're going to do is, right now it's 1 o'clock.